Because there's a lot that happens when a hand gets laid on your head. I don't want some people laying their hands on my head. I don't, I don't want just anybody praying for me. And so there's just a lot to be said, but I appreciate the Word of God last night and the move of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you that I believe in the preaching of the Word of God, but I also believe in the moving of the Spirit of God. Amen. And uh, I remember going to our part of the world years ago, and there was such uh, controversy because uh, I heard preachers send words and tell them, don't bring that wild group to our church. We'll padlock the door. Don't want that wildfire in our church. Well, it wasn't wildfire. They didn't know what fire was. Anything was wildfire. But wildfire is started on pure emotion, but real fire starts by prayer. And you get people praying an hour and more before service, there will be fire there. Matter of fact, if there is no fire there, I don't want to be there. And if there's no anointing on that congregation, I don't want to preach to it. Sometimes we have to. And uh, one of them, you know, has got around and said, well, when they're preaching the Word of God, you need to sit and listen to the Word of God. They have so much missed uh, what the Word of God has said. The Bible said, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. He didn't get to finish his message. We need to take time and listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. Praise God. Well, this, that's, that's my little testimony. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Amen. Again, to the brethren, thank you for the invitation. I am extremely honored. Uh, this is probably one of the greatest honors bestowed upon me. And I appreciate uh, this opportunity and the good room and the food, the fellowship, and all the kind remarks. It's just good to be among friends. If, there, if I have any enemies here today, I don't know it. I don't know it. Please don't tell me. And uh, I consider everyone here friends. And uh, I have forgiven everybody that has ever done me wrong. I like what you said last night. I'm just meddling right now. But uh, I have forgiven everybody, and there's no one, no man's neck that I couldn't hug, and no lady's hand I couldn't shake. And a lot of folks say, well, you haven't been done wrong. Well, you just don't know. And uh, I have made it my business to forget all that. And just to go on and let the Lord take those circumstances and try to do something with this old hunk of mud. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. <clears throat> he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to focus on verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now I want to talk to you a little while out of my heart today. I don't know how much preaching I'm going to get done, but I'm just going to deal how I feel today. I'm going to talk to you about in the presence of my enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Would you lift your hands and let's ask God to speak his word to our heart today. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us today. God, I need your anointing. I need your thought. I pray, O Lord God, that you'd anoint this congregation. I pray that you'd anoint my mind and let me say what you want me to say. Anoint this lips and this tongue with your anointing. And, O God, let it become the words that the Holy Ghost would say. Lord, I pray that the hearts of this congregation receive the word of the Lord is our prayer. We give honor to you and give praise to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. man by the name of Eugene Peterson translated the 23rd Psalm and read it like this. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. One man made this statement, every increased possession loads us down with a brand new weariness. Another man said it this way, the grave is the end. This brief life is all that we have. And there are a lot of people that believe that in the world today. Some of them believe in uh, soul sleep. Some of them believe that if a man dies, that that's just all there is to it. That we're nothing but animals. And uh, there are others that believe in reincarnation. I am glad there is no such thing as reincarnation. There are a lot of things in my life I don't want to have to go through again. Amen. My teenage years was rough enough. And uh, Rodney sung to me many times. And uh, that was the rod, of course. And... uh, it sung and I danced. And I don't want to go through that again. But uh, a lot of people believe in that. But one man that was an agnostic made this statement. 
The life of a man is a long march through the night, surrounded by invisible foes, tortured by weariness, pain, toward a goal which few can hope to reach and where none may tarry long. One by one, as they march, our comrades vanish from our sight, seized by the silent orders of omnipotent death. Brief and powerless is man's life. On him and his race the slow, sure doom falls, pitiless and dark, blind to good and evil, reckless of destruction. Omnipotent matter rolls on its relentless way. For man condemned today to lose his dearest tomorrow, himself to pass through the gate of darkness, it remains only to cherish, ere yet the blow falls, the lofty thoughts that ennoble his very little day. And so there is a helplessness in our world today. Men don't know what they're going to do. We are seeing a relentless uh, attack on the political scene, a relentless attack on the emotional scene, on the spiritual scene. I think it's been said by uh, someone that's already preached this week that uh, there is a constant bombardment, a constant warfare, a continual embattlement that keeps us fighting every day that we live. Every morning we get up to tie our on our boots and to fight the devil one more day. And uh, we, we come to conferences like this. We have on our plastic smile. We stand tall and erect, and when somebody asks us how we're doing, we don't want to tell them exactly how it is. We smile and said, we're doing great, when that may not be the truth. I'm not trying to contradict what the elder said last night. I believe that every day is a good day that you live above ground. But that does not mean that, there are, that we are absent of struggles. Somebody asked me one time, they said, how are you doing? I said, I don't have any complaints. If I did, nobody would want to listen to them. And the only ones that would want to listen to them is the ones that would rejoice that I was going through it. So I am blessed of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. It is said that what this statistic came from a book of facts that I read not long ago. The number of aspirin taken by Americans every year, 33 billion. People are on all kinds of antidepressants. People are on all kinds of uh, uh, drugs, medications, unable to sleep at night, unable to get up in the morning and go their way. Fighting, going, and uh, I'd, I'd like to say that that's not among the apostolic folk, but it is. More increasingly, we are finding that people are turning to psychiatry and psychology and uh, Prozac, Zoloft, and other drugs to help them cope through the day. And that is not the will of God. That is not the will of God. Because these sorts of things, and, and let me just touch base and I'm going to run on. And someone already is, is I, I talked to them out in the hall. They asked me about one statement that I made. And sometimes when you go to meetings like this, 
you make statements of things that you've taught and preached at your local church for a number of years and you make a statement feel like everybody knows what you're saying and and uh, so I don't have time to qualify everything but but the reason why that people that take these things get themselves in a position to lose their soul is because the soul is to be sensitive to respond to the presence of God and if you are stoned on Prozac and Zoloft you can't respond properly conviction is a pain and if you remove the pain from your mind and from your system God has no way to deal with you it's alright to cry it's alright to stoop your shoulder every now and then Because when it gets wearisome and tiresome, God has a place for you to come to, to lift up your head, to put a smile on your face, and to put power and strength in you to help you make it one more day, one more week, one more month, one more year, until He comes again. Anybody happy about that today? Let's worship the Lord together. I love you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your anointing. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Another man said the best time to relax is when you don't have time to relax. A Greek proverb said that you will break the bow if you keep it always bent. Another man said God is rarely found in the midst of noise and restlessness. Instead, he is the friend of silence. There are some times that you have just got to get by yourself and the Lord. And let the restoration process begin. That does, not be, that does not mean that I don't believe in shouting and running and all of that. Matter of fact, I believe in all of that and have done all of that and will continue to do all of that as long as God gives me strength in my body. Praise the Lord. And again, I don't need to qualify everything, but I remember going to one particular group of ministers and they were going to have a particular rally and they told me they said we don't mind your people coming if you'll just tell them not to roll in the floor and I said I can't do that he said why I said because I taught them how to do it I'm still not too proud that I can't get in the floor and roll even in this one right here Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm on, I'm on, it, it, it's all right, brethren, if I take my time. Is that all right? I don't want to take any of Elder McMullen's time. I, I, I don't intend to do that at all. But I'm going to tell you that there are times that I have come to the house of God and I didn't feel like jumping. I didn't feel like dancing. I didn't even feel like singing, but I did anyhow. 
I remember one night I walked out of the office and I had just dealt with a very volatile situation. And I walked to the platform that night and the service was going and they were running the aisles and they were rolling in the floor and, and uh, they were just, just basically having a good Holy Ghost time. And, and I stood there and I looked and I didn't feel like doing anything. I felt like someone had vomited all over me. I felt like I didn't have any joy at all. But I looked at everyone else and I began to feel something and I began to weep. And I started dancing. I said, God, not because I feel like it, but this one is for you. Because even when you don't feel like worshiping God, He still will give you the strength to do what you need to do in that your soul may be restored. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I don't want to get ahead of myself, and sometimes I do that. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I want you to look back at Psalm 23, and, I, and very briefly, I'd like to, to break it down very quickly. He, first of all, has his focus right. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you've got God as your shepherd, there's not anything that you have to wait upon and say, God, I don't know if I'm going to have this or not. I'm going to wring my hands. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I don't know if I can make it. No, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't need anything as long as I've got God. I don't need a psychologist. I don't need a psychiatrist. I don't need medication to help me get through the day and to help me cope with the pressures of life. I don't need alcohol. I don't need marijuana. I don't have to have an affair to make me feel like I'm a man. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Praise God. Then the Bible said, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Because whenever I feel like I'm in the middle of a war, I don't feel like I've got time to lay down. I don't feel like I have time to uh, to sit and wait. I like things going and running and all of that. But God leads me beside the still water. One commentator said it that the still water is is a placid lake. And it is to the point to where you can see your reflection in the still water. God leads you beside the still water in that you can reflect and see what you really are. We need to always go by that steel pool and look at ourselves and repent on a daily basis. Amen. The man of God said it right last night. Wonder he said we need to repent. Some folks said, well, I don't need to repent. You need to repent because you feel like you don't need to repent. I'm going to say it again. You need to repent for feeling like you don't need to repent. You don't know how many times you grieved God with what you said or how you looked. Not necessarily what you did. He said, he leadeth me. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will make you lie down in green pastures. He'll lead you beside the still waters. And then he restoreth my soul. 
Everybody say, He restores my soul. You may be seated, brethren. Some time ago, I remember going and visiting with my dad for a time, and the church there had bought him a, a, an antique vehicle, and, and uh, one of the first vehicles he had ever owned was that, and so they had given it to him, and it was not restored. And he was taking the time to restore the vehicle to its original condition. And uh, that was the beauty of it. He had finished it when I was with him, and we took a ride in it. And uh, he rolled out the windows. I forget even what model it is. That's terrible. But, you know, the older you get, those things mean things to you. I'm not old enough to let antiques really rule my life yet. But, you know, when you get older, antiques mean a lot because there's nostalgia in it. You know, a 65 Mustang don't mean anything to anybody except to the man that that was his first car or the first one he wrecked or whatever. Amen. Bible said he restored my soul. God wants to take you back and restore you to the condition you were when you first got the Holy Ghost. When you first repented of your sin and give you back your first love so that you may worship like you first worshiped God and that you'll have a desire to pray like you first had a desire to pray. Praise God. Amen. Now, we have evolved. You may be seated. We have evolved, and I don't like that term because I don't believe in evolution, but the evolutionary process is probably the greatest way that I can uh, make all of us cognizant of what I'm saying today. What I'm trying to relate to you is we have been on a process, on a spiritual journey, from a small child to a large adult. And uh, we go through a process. And spiritually we do that. We should be further advanced in our spiritual concepts today than we were when we first got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We ought to be able to shout better. We ought to be able to pray better. We ought to be better soul winners. I knew that wouldn't go over too well because when people have the Holy Ghost a number of years, they feel like they don't have to do that anymore. And they criticize anybody that runs a bus, knocks a door, or passes a track. They're getting spiritually senile. You need God to restore your soul and give you a burden for the lost like you had when God first filled you with the Holy Ghost. You wanted to tell everybody. Amen. You may be seated. And the longer we're in the church, we learn how to control this. You know, we first got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost began to move on a Sunday morning, Sunday night. We didn't care if it was Bible study. We were shaking a leg. We were jumping up and down. We were screaming. But then that other one that has evolved back to that state of maturity says, well, they'll grow out of it. No, God wants to restore us back. You need to take a good look at a new convert and say, God, let me shout like they're shouting. Take me right back to that old water and let me look at myself and let me be restored to what I used to be. Hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody say, praise the Lord. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You may be seated. We've got to get a concept that this holiness message is not for our lifting up. It's not to make people think that we are really spiritual. 
Amen. Now it's getting real dark and deep right here. But there's a lot of people that take their long sleeves, their short hair on the men, long hair on the ladies, as a badge to shove it in the face of the world and said, we don't do this and we don't do that. Hey, the world don't give a rip what you don't do. You're flaunting your holiness like a rich man flaunts his jewelry. That's not why God gave you holiness. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Shout it with me, for his name's sake. Say it again, for his name's sake. It's all about him. It's all about his work. It's all about his anointing. It's all about His power. It's all about Jesus Christ. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. My daughter walked into the Pentecost, the great Pentecostal uh, store that all of us love. You know, because we have to graduate or... Or, you know, we have to graduate up to them Episcopalian and, and, uh, and, and Catholic stores, you know, like Neiman's and Nordstrom's. Uh, but we all start out in that Pentecostal store called Walmart. And so she had just got through uh, the dentist office and walked in there in her scrubs that she had made into a skirt. And uh, was uh, going to get some... Uh, some material or whatever, I guess for some more scrubs or whatever. And there was a lady, a Hispanic lady that walked up to her. And you have to understand that in my part of the world, uh, people don't move in to Wheelersburg. They move out for jobs. Souda County has had a 10% unemployment rate for as long as we can remember. The greatest form of income there is Social Security, welfare, and government jobs and working under the table which of course will send you to hell well that didn't go over too good did it <laughs> well anyway she walked in there was a Hispanic lady that came up to her and she says where do you go to church broken English where do you go to church and uh, she said, are you Pentecostal? I said, yes, I'm Pentecostal. I'm apostolic Pentecostal. Because in our part of the world, especially in Ohio, I don't know, in Indiana, Kentucky, whatever, but in our part of Ohio, if you say you're Pentecostal, that means probably you're Trinitarian. But when you say apostolic, it means you're oneness. So we tell them we are apostolic Pentecostal. For whatever that's worth. And... Uh, and she said, I noticed that you had a dress on. And I noticed you had long hair. She said, several weeks ago, I received the Holy Ghost. I've been in town two days, been looking for a church, and didn't know how to find one. What I am saying is, your dress and your holiness is to be a witness to those who are seeking for God. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Do you know why that lady didn't go up to someone wearing shorts, a tank top, and someone wearing all this jewelry and makeup? Because she realized they weren't really serious about serving God. But she was looking for somebody 
that stood out. Thank you, Brother Alviar, for preaching that. Praise God. You may be seated. Our holiness is not to attract attention to ourselves. But it is to make a statement of witnessing to the world out there. We are in the world, but not of the world. Praise God. Not to be said, could preach a lot on that. I'm not going to. I'm going to run on down here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. There are times that we're going to have to look death right in the face. It rains over the just and the unjust. Problems and sicknesses. And uh, backsliding comes around. But he said, you lead me through all these ways. I will fear no evil, thou art with me. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff. Talking about correction and instruction. The psalmist David was saying, I am so glad that I serve a shepherd that knows how to use the rod and the staff. Because it makes me feel secure. Praise God. If your pastor preaches holiness and preaches righteousness, it ought to make you feel safe. It ought to make you feel secure. It ought to make you feel happy. Because he preaches the queers out. And he preaches the whores out. And he preaches the devils out. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They make me feel secure. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. May be seated. You see, when the man of God is up preaching... And he's drawing the line. And he corrects you. And yes, I still believe that when people get into certain situations that sin affect the entire congregation, they are to be rebuked openly. So that others may learn to fear and not blaspheme. I remember the first time that that happened, there was a situation that rose up in the congregation. And uh, I remember calling everybody upstairs into the auditorium and uh, called the young man, the young lady up. And I said, folks, these folks have been in my office. They have repented. They have asked me for forgiveness. They're asking this church for forgiveness. And I said, they are on the brink of losing their soul. You said, did that embarrass them? You body right, it embarrassed. It embarrassed me. It humiliated me to have to do it. But I wasn't looking for an easy route. I was trying to save those young people. Glory to God. My point is this. After it was all over with. Of course, this is the statement that I made. I'm not asking you to do it the way I do it. You do it however God does it, however your pastor does it. Thank God for it. But uh, I said, now, those of you that will forgive these, I want you to come up and pray with them. And the entire church was weeping. And I told them, I said, when we get through this morning, we will hear no more of this matter. 
Boy, I hate a gossiping spirit. A self-righteous egotism. That's the worst way and the easiest way to be lost and go to hell. Amen. Baby seated. After service was over, I'm going to tell you, it did, it, did, it did something to me. I laid over that young man. He was like a son to me. And I kept begging him. I said, don't lose your soul, son. I got, after getting through praying, I was so wearied. I walked back to the office to wash my face. I had burst blood vessels on the sides of my face. I had cried and prayed and interceded for that young man's soul. Amen. That night when I got to church early, I can't tell you the men that grabbed me, hugged me, weeping, and said, Pastor, if you got to do that to me or my children, please do. Because I felt so safe this morning in this house of God. You better thank God the preacher preaches hard. He's keeping the child molester out of your baby's bedroom. He's keeping the fornication and the adultery out of the church. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Praise God. I've got to hurry. Please be seated. But then he said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. You see, in the blessings that God has given to us and in the things that we have to fight for as preachers and as saints, men that are men over their families, single-parented mothers that are raising their babies, young people that are serving God whose parents are not in the church, Every day you get up out of that bed, you're having to look at the devil and the world and at your flesh and tell it no. It is a constant warfare. The day you take it for granted is the day that you will surely fall. He that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. I won't. I need the prayers of my people praying for me. Because even though you know you're doing right, and you know you're winning the war, and you know you're keeping the devil at bay, that still doesn't take away the fact that you get tired sometimes. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. And we get weary. The Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 6, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We know all the scriptures. We know that God is a great God. We know that we will stand true and fight on that God will give us the victory. And sometimes in the middle of that course, holding on, standing strong, pressing on, still the body begins weary. The soul gets bent out of shape. And sometimes the only things that keeps you going is the fact that you've just got the pure habit to press on. And you tell yourself, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I may not be running. I may not be making a lot of progress. But I can't stop. I got to keep pressing. I got to keep going. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to step ahead of myself just a second. I'll come back to this. But I've got to give you Isaiah chapter 40. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's sometimes, brother, I feel like I can fly and soar like an eagle. And thank God for that. But sometimes, brother Dudley, I'm too tired to fly. And so I'm running. But there comes a time I'm too tired to run. Thank God that He still counts me righteous. Even if all I can do is just walk. Let's worship the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. I hope you don't consider this negative. By the time we get through here today, I, I, I hope you'll see where I'm coming from. But everybody gets weary. If you say that you're not tired and have not ever got tired, you are a liar. It doesn't matter how long you pray, how much you fight and fast, you can still get tired of doing the good things. And you're not going to stop because you don't believe it. And you're not going to stop because you think you're not in a good cause. It's just your body is screaming at you. Your mind is screaming at you. How long, oh God? How long have I got to keep praying and fasting until I break the spirit of my city and have revival in Jesus' name? How long do I got to keep fighting until God brings a spirit of unity in the church? You know you're doing the right thing. But you can get tired. Now here's my point. Here's, here's one of the points. You can be seated. There's a place to rest and there's a place that you shouldn't rest. Matter of fact, Esau, the Bible said when he come up out of the field, he was faint. And old Jacob was watching him. And, and uh, I know the typology that I'm fixing to use may not fit all the way the allegories and all of that to you Bible scholars. But give me just a little liberty to say this. That the devil stands back and he's watching when your feet are dragging and your shoulders are drooping. You made it back home, but he knows you're tired. And when you wouldn't sell out for a bowl of soup, when you're tired, you make silly decisions. You say stupid things. You get involved in crazy activities. And when you're weary and things didn't go good, he came from the field, he didn't get his venison. He, things didn't go good on the hunt. He comes, he's hungry, he's tired, he's weary. And what any ordinary man would have turned down. He is now in a place of vulnerability. And the bowl of soup smells good, it looks good. He's tired. I want to preach to somebody here today. Be careful not to make bad choices when you're tired. 
Some of you are weary with the battle and your things are going through your mind and the devil's telling you, you would, you're backslidden or you wouldn't have thought that or you must not really be doing right or you wouldn't be thinking that. The devil is a liar. You're weary and you're tired and the enemy's hoping that you're going to pitch the towel in and raise the white surrender flag. And what he would have never given away, he may be seated. At that extreme moment of weariness, he was extremely vulnerable. And he made a choice that ruined him for the rest of his life. A choice that he could not reverse. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he sought it carefully with tears. But he couldn't find repentance. He wished he hadn't done it. Look at him as he lays across his father on his sickbed. Please, Daddy, isn't there just a blessing? Sorry, son. When you were tired, you made a bad choice. And heaven saw it, and hell saw it. I feel this today. Now, we've shouted, and we've jumped up and down. But I believe as the good elder preached last night that before tonight's service is over and they turn the lights out in this building that some of you are going to go home recharged, refurbished, and restored. You made it here and you're feeling good right now. But tomorrow is another week. Tomorrow is another battle. You need more than just a touch. You need total restoration. May be seated. Cicero was another man that got weary and he laid his head in the wrong place. Matter of fact, he was running and he thought he had friends. I'm going to tell you, whenever you're tired and weary, you look for the first place to turn over to the first rest area. And you trust people you shouldn't trust. You go places you shouldn't go. I'm not giving you a license to sin today. I rebuke your spirit if you're trying to read that into that. He goes in, Sisera goes into the tent and he says, he said, just let me rest. Let, let me hide a little bit. And uh, she says, he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You go lay back there. And, uh, and it was an acquaintance. And she gave him some warm milk. And he was tired. He drank the warm milk. She gave him a blanket. He fell asleep. And then while he was resting, trying to get some rest, he needed rest. There's nothing wrong with resting a time or two. But you better make sure where you rest at. He never woke up from that nap. The tent peg was drove through his skull. Because when you're weary, you don't think about things like that. But I say, praise the Lord. I'm hurrying on. The clock is my enemy. Elijah was a man that got tired. Who could say that the Bible declares in the book of James, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the space of the earth, on the space of uh, three years and six months. And the Bible said he prayed again. He was saying he was a man of like passions. He had the same struggles and the same trials we do. 
We like to look at the, uh, the patriarchs and the prophets of old. And we like to think that they didn't have any, uh, any, any bad problems. That they were all supermen. But the, that scripture refutes that ideology. Even strong spiritual men at times get tired. The Bible declares that after he had, after he had had the contest with the prophets of Baal, slew 850 of the false prophets. The fire came down. The revival came that he had been praying for. Consumed the sacrifice. He climbs to the mountain and that takes a great deal of energy. Notice he's been praying, he's been fasting, he's been sacrificing, he's been slaying. Now he climbs a mountain, he prays seven times, and then he runs to Jezreel. His adrenaline level is up. His faith is up. Everything's going to be good. We're finally getting a ray of hope. I see the light in the tunnel. But then he hears Jezebel say, I'll get his hide just like he got my prophet's. And Elijah took out a running. Elder, Elijah wasn't a runner. Elijah was a strong man. Elijah was strong as steel. He wasn't afraid of anything. But he was tired. And his enemies were out to destroy him. And as they say in the medical world today... He went into manic depression. He runs and he hides under a juniper bush. And he's keyed up. He's been running. He's been fighting. He's been slaying. He's been confronting. He's been doing all of this. He's done all the right things. He's a strong prophet. But now he's drained. you got to be careful where you go in places like that, times like that. But he laid himself down. When there wasn't no one around, he got out there under the juniper bush. And he felt a little nudge. Elijah, I brought you something to eat. He looks up. And there's an angel. Rise up, Elijah. I want you to eat this. No rebuke. No fingers of pointing accusation. No screaming. No condemnatory statements aimed at Elijah. Said, Elijah, sit here and eat. The journey is too great for you. And the Bible said that he ate and he laid down to rest again. Because I'm going to tell you, when the war gets hot and you're drained, you start wishing you could die. Oh, that's a stupid thing. We really don't want to die. We say things we don't really mean. Aren't you glad God hasn't answered every prayer you ever prayed? We prayed all kind of prayers in our moments of desperation and weariness. And God didn't stick His nose down to our nose and say, You're an idiot! No, He didn't do it! But He sent His angel. And the Bible said He laid there and He rested. And He went on the strength of that meal 40 days. Now that's 
where you need to find when you're tired. I don't have the time to go out and explore every avenue, but the Bible declares the pastor of the church to be the angel of the church. I know we're not shouting now. I don't expect you to. I don't expect you to. You're listening. But the time when you're weary, preaching to saints right now, the time when you don't feel like you fought and your family's against you and your relatives are against you and, and the whole world's coming down, that's not the time to stay home from church. Say, but the devil's been whispering to me and I've had these stupid dreams and I feel tired. I don't even feel like my prayers are going beyond the ceiling. Get dressed and go to church. For God has given His angels something that will sustain you in the hour of your weakness. If that's ever happened to you, would you worship the Lord with me right now? I feel the Holy Ghost here. I really do. Oh, Jesus. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. I'm hurrying. I'm going to skip a big portion of this. I don't have time. Isaiah 28. Whom shall he teach knowledge and to whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest. Wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. I believe that that's what... Peter was referring to in Acts 3.19 Repent ye therefore and be converted for the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So when you're weary and you barely can get one foot in front of another get to church. Let the angel feed you and let the Holy Ghost touch you and start talking in tongues. Get renewed in the Holy Ghost. Said, preacher, you're trying to be simplistic. You're thinking that every time we got a problem, we can just shout our way out of it. I don't believe you can shout your way out of some things. But brother, when you're tired, you need a touch of the Holy Ghost. You need the Spirit of God to breathe fresh breath into your stale soul. Hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Be seated. The psalmist said it in Psalm 73. He said, there was a time that my foot almost slipped. I almost lost it all. He said, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There were problems assailing me from one side of my life to the other. He said, I almost lost it. But he said, I made my way to the sanctuary. 
And then I understood Had I laid out a church I'd be backslid Had I laid out a church I'd be going to hell But I kept going I kept pushing I kept fighting And I got there And the angel preached to me And the spirit of God Filled my soul all over again Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Look with me real quickly to Hebrews chapter 10. You may be seated. Now we preach about faithful church attendance and rightfully so. And these are the scriptures that we use. And we tell people, you've got to be faithful to the house of God. And, uh, and we, make it, we make our Wednesdays and Sunday services mandatory. I tell them if you've got to work on those nights in a job interview, you don't take that job. Everyone that I've ever seen do that has lost their soul. I found about 10 years ago I got tired of it. I said, if they can work around the, uh, the evening shift to give you your Wednesdays and Sunday nights off, and you can be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, which is our regular scheduled services, then you can take the job. And so we, we talk about that, and that it is a sin to miss church. Because it follows after this, if we sin willfully, after that we, uh, uh, we sin willfully here, after that He has given us these scriptures, it talks about the terrible sin that's going to happen by forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I don't want to go reading and all of that, but there's something else that I've seen here as I began to study and read and feel the prompting of the Spirit concerning this message today. Verse 21, chapter 10 of Hebrews. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. This is talking about when you're coming to church. Let us draw near. How? With a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We've been baptized. Let us hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. The profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And I say provoke one another. And then he said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. I saw something in that. Now, I believe that you've got to be faithful to the house of God so the preacher can preach to you. You won't get it on a tape or a CD. Right. I'm going to say this and run on. Somebody asked me, he said, well, what's the difference between being at church and hearing it or hearing it on a CD? I said, the same. It has the same difference as you kissing your wife or kissing a picture of your wife. Do you understand? We know we've got to hear the preached word of God. We know we need the anointing and the spirit of God. But there's another element here. Now, I, I got the Holy Ghost when I was eight. And uh, I don't know, 
much about the vices of the world except for what people have told me. Never smoked, never drank. The only woman I've ever known is my wife. And I thank God for that. I'm not shoving that in anybody's face. I thank God for that. There are a lot of scars and condemnations I don't have to deal with because I haven't been there. But I have been told that when men are out boxing and they're boxing one another and man gets knocked out and he gets back up, then they, they ring the bell. I guess it's how they do it. And uh, Brother Dudley, if you wouldn't mind standing up and helping me here just a little bit. And so he's been fighting in the ring. And when he gets back over there, there's two or three guys coming back over here going, you're all right, man. You're fighting good. It's a good deal, man. You can win. I know you can. You got it in you. We practice together. Man, oh, man. And they're, they're patting him. They're rubbing his muscles. They're wiping his sweat. They're, they're, they're doing, thank you, brother. You may be seated. They're doing all these things. You get the picture here. So when you come to the house of God, I could do other things. And when the soldier comes home, they have a parade for him. When you come to the house of God, yes, you're going to have preaching. Yes, you're going to feel God. But also, we are here to provoke one another to good works. You can make it, brother. You can do it. Keep in there. You got it in you. You got the anointing on you. Hold fast. Hold fast. You got the Holy Ghost. You're a member of the church. You have no right to be rude. You have no right to be condemnatory. If they made it to church, let the preacher preach to them. But you hold their hands up. You give them encouragement. You push them on. You can make it. Brother, you can make it. Sister, you can make it. You can do it. I'm here with you. I'm in your corner. I'm going to help you. When you're tired, that's where you go. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. May be seated. Psalm 27. I I promise I am trying to hurry. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though a host should encamp against me, and my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired, O Lord, and that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, I will sing praises unto the Lord. And so, in a conclave of believers as we are today, great meeting place, saints and preachers from around this nation and even beyond this nation's borders are here worshiping God. I have appreciated every service, every message. The songs have ministered to me and I have felt the presence of God and gained much strength. I feel safe here. 
I feel safe. It's not safe everywhere you go, but I feel safe here. It's the will of God. He said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm not going to lay my head over in some disgruntled or some other job, drugs, vices of the world. But I'm going to make it to the altar. Now I'm going to be a little vulnerable here just for a moment. I'm going to be very careful that I'm not being anything that would be taken in a bad light, I would hope. There have been times in our walk with God that there have been some real, real struggles. I've served God since I was eight years of age, and I've never, Elder Dudley, ever wanted to backslide. I've always loved God. Matter of fact, when I see people walk out and backslide, I can't understand it. Elder McMullen, I've laid on my face and prayed and cried for these souls that have walked out. And then I said, God, I'm, I can only imagine how you feel. I haven't done nearly as much for them as you. I can only imagine how it breaks your heart because it breaks mine. And they walk on out. I've never had the desire to walk out on God. Nothing out there I want. Amen. I'd give it all up tomorrow. And I'm on this side. You know, I'm, uh, you know now that I've, I've preached and I've lived and I've worked and, and my children are in their 20s, uh, now a lot of the pressures of... Uh, of life have gone, and now it seems like that we're on the we're on the the, the floating scale, or on the or on the the you know we're, we've got the momentum now, and we don't have to stress and push and sacrifice and and all, and all of that. But I would willingly give it all up if I had to to serve God, and I mean that. I would die for this message. I don't say that loosely. I promise you, I would die for it. There have been times that the load has become so heavy. One of those times was about a year ago, about this time of year. There's a certain situation that I will not go into description. I would not tell this today, but in the middle of the night, praying, seeking God, He laid it upon me to say it, and so I will. After getting off of a phone conversation and uh, not going into all the detail... My family was in the front room and I went to the bedroom and I shut the door. I fell on the floor. My body began to shake. I thought I was about to lose it. And I cried out to God. I was weeping to where I couldn't speak. And I finally got it. I said, God, I don't know how much more I can take. And I cried. And then I heard him speak to me. It's much too personal for me to tell you what he said to me. He told me that years before. When there was a tremendous crisis in my life. And he sent a man of God. To come and speak those words. And I remember. The man was a stranger to me then. He's a dear friend of mine now. But he walked up and he, he, he said, this is what the Lord told him. And he told me. I remember putting my hand on his shoulder, tears going down my cheeks. I said, tell me again, brother. <laughs> Say it again. 
And the Lord spoke to me while I was laid on that floor, trembling, shaking, crying, wailing. He spoke those words to me and I knew it was Him. And I got up on my feet. I dried my tears, Hilda Dudley. I lifted my hands as high as I could get them. I said, God, I am the most blessed man in the world. The enemy was hoping we're going to get him. We're going to get him. The minions of hell that spoke through the voice on the other end of the line, sneering. You could feel the chorus of hell's minions as they went into their final refrain. And they were hoping. But while I sat there, in the middle of one of the biggest trials I'd ever been through, he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I may not be preaching to everybody here today, but I'm preaching to some. I know I am. You feel like you can't make another step. You can't run another mile. You don't know who you can trust. He will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Shall we stand? I woke up with this course on my mind and I'm not going to try to sing it my voice is horrible the verse goes like this in and out of situations that tug of war at me all day long I struggle for answers that I need but then I come into his presence all my questions become clear. And for a sacred moment, no doubt can interfere. In, his pre in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, Troubles vanish And hearts are mended In the presence Of King oh. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, would you lift your hands and sing it with me?
God wants to help somebody today. I feel like there's about three preachers here today. God wants to help you. A number of saints are here today. God wants to help you. isolated we're in your corner we're not here to condemn you today we want to help you make it he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies the devil hopes you ain't gonna make it but you made it here today and that's all that counts today feel like if someone wants to pray now, I want to give you the opportunity to pray. Oh, Jesus. We have time to pray. Some of you that feel like that this message has been for you and you need somebody to help you, why don't you grab your friend and say, come pray with me. Don't be so proud you can't ask somebody to pray with you. Pastor, pray for me. I can't help but believe God has set a table out here in this room today. Whatever you need from God is on that table. And the devil can't stop you from eating. He prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Let's take the time to pray one for another. All across this building. All across this building.